privilege. <laughs> what is commonly considered as privileged in the United States? Uh, it's two-parent homes, being born white, education, money, white-collar jobs, ownership, uh, all of that, all of which can be earned except for the whiteness, although, you know, Michael Jackson. You know, privilege can be earned. There, there's... There's nothing wrong, like the privilege as far as it being bandied around can be earned. If if children are raised underprivileged, that's not on the kids, that's on the parents. It's based off of the decisions that you make. Just because you were raised underprivileged doesn't mean you have to pass that down to your kids like a legacy. You can make the change. And yeah, it's going to be hard. And yeah, it's going to require some work. But it can be done. And it has been done. Some of the the best stories in our culture are, are about kids who were born to underprivileged families whose parents, especially their mothers, did what was necessary to make sure that their kid had all of the, all of the opportunities that they needed to be able to be successful in this, in this life, to be able to be privileged. Uh, ben Carson is a huge one. His mom was 13 when she married his dad. And then, you know, she found out that he was a bigamist and he actually was already married and already had a family. So she divorced him and she had two boys. She had to work nights. I think she worked nights to, uh, so that she could raise these kids. And she only had a third grade education, but she was determined that her boys were going to live better lives than she did. And so she raised them up to, to be better to want more, to, to reach and to fight and to gain and earn their privilege. Now, Ben Carson's the, one of the top neurosurgeons in the country, the first to successfully separate con twins conjoined at the head. I mean, is, and that was because his mother decided that she was not going to let her lack of privilege keep her kids down. Um, the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, an entire point of that movie is that you can dig yourself out of these terrible situations and make your life better. And you don't have to stay where you are. Just because you're 20-something or 30-something or 40-something doesn't mean your life is over. You can always change your situation. You can always change, as, as, as is said in... Uh, uh, a knight's tale, you can always change your stars. Go out and, and get what you want by earning it, not by taking it. And what I mean by taking it is that the, our current society or way of thinking, I guess, is so skewed because there's this idea that if somebody else has it, you should be able to have it too, whether that means that you take it from them or you take it from them vicariously by having, you know, it given to you in some way or another. When my family, well, when when I was young, we lived in Arkansas. Uh, I, don't, I think we weren't living with my dad's parents at this point in time. I think we had our own place. I was like four or five, so I don't really remember. I do remember that we had a really big, long, slopey driveway and there were blackberry bushes at the bottom. They were really good. But there was a, a neighbor. We had just bought a red wagon 
and it was that my parents had been saving up for it forever. My dad worked three jobs. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she already had four kids. Um, so she already had four kids. Um, and so they saved up, and they bought a red wagon for my brother for his birthday. And we just loved that wagon. And we, you know, went here and there and everywhere for about a week. And then it was stolen. And we found it a couple of weeks later. It was uh, in, our, in our neighbor's yard and her son was pulling it around. And so my mom went up and knocked on the door and said, um, excuse me, your son has my kid's wagon. And she said, so. And my mom was like, well, we would like it back. And she's like, no, go buy another one because you're white and we're black. So how else is my kid going to get a wagon if he doesn't get it from you? And th there's th that's this mentality that's going around. And it's not fair to anybody. How is that helping that, that little boy learn the value of things? How is that raising him up to be someone who can make ch positive change in society and in the world? That's just crippling him. And it's, it's perpetuating unfortunately, racist sentiments, if not racism in and of itself, because you, you, you have people who decide that, oh, a black family is moving into the neighborhood. The neighborhood's gone to crap. We better leave. And that's not the case. You get people of all walks who are trying to better their lives, to make themselves better, to raise themselves up. But the exceptions to that are the ones who are the most prevalent. There was a, a not too terribly long ago, it was, I think two or three years maybe, there was a boy who was a teenager, I think he was 17 or 18 years old, who broke into the house of an old white woman in Florida, I think. And she freaked out and she shot him and he died. And a, a woman in response to that said, well, how else is he supposed to pay for his books to go to school if he doesn't steal from somebody? To pay for it. It's like, well, he could get, a, he could have gotten a job. The odds of him getting shot on the job are significantly less. This idea of privilege has been perverted to, to the point where if somebody else has it, I deserve it. And if I can't afford it, I'm just going to take it. it, it because how else are we going to get our money? Well, if everybody gets their money that way, everybody's going to be dead. Okay, it's just that's just just the way that it is, and it's just, it's the same problem with welfare. You have people who spend their whole lives on welfare, but they still want to live as if they're not on welfare, and so they'll use their welfare money to buy big screen TVs and and Apple phones. And welfare was one of the worst things that could have happened to this country, if only because it really doesn't help anybody. It gives you just enough to be able to to live on, but if you try to get ahead and you go out and you get a job, then welfare gets taken away from you before you're ready, before you can really stand up on your own. And so they, you just you just don't go get a job because if you if you don't go get a job, you don't have to worry about your welfare getting taken away. It's just this awful, horrible, downward, continuing, perpetuating spiral of of poverty and ill privilege or lack of privilege, I guess. And you, you, but you can pull yourself out of it. It's a lot harder. 
and it's it's never ideal because nobody wants to have to be nobody wants to be in that situation nobody wants to have to work that hard to get out of it and it's a lot harder in today's society because we do live in a culture that has progressed technologically to the point where the jobs that are going to be paying the most are jobs that you need to be qualified for. That doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go to college. It could just mean that you need to get special training. It could mean that you need to, maybe you need to go to a trade school or you need to apprentice or, uh, you know, you, it's not, you're not going to be able to live your best life working at McDonald's flipping burgers. And it's not because of the minimum wage. Okay, it's not because of the minimum wage. In fact, the minimum wage hurts people almost as much as welfare. There was this clamor uh, in 2016, I think it was, about $15 minimum wage, and it's probably still a thing, but it's lost its momentum a lot. And if there's a $15 minimum wage, that's not going to help you either, because when the minimum wage finally gets up to $15, that means inflation has pushed it up to that point, and your $15 minimum wage is still basically the equivalent of $5 an hour. That's not going to help you. It's like, great, now you're making $15 an hour, but what are you going to do with that that you're not already doing? So you, you have to go out and make opportunities for yourself that you can be able to that you can adapt, you be adaptable to your situation, make the changes that you need to make. It's not impossible. You know, a lot of kids get out of their bad situations through sports and not every kid can, but it's a really great way to try and get ahead. You know, if you can get a sports scholarship to even just a community college and get that paid for, go for it. If you can do that, do it. If you can make, if you can, if you can do better than that, do better than that. You don't have to excel to succeed. You just need to be, you just need to be willing to fight for it. And another thing that's a real problem on all sides is affirmative action. That is not helpful to black kids or it's just not. Um, Morgan Freeman actually had an interview about this where he said affirmative action was terrible and the woman who was um, the woman who was interviewing him was a recipient of affirmative action and she she knew that she had gone to school on affirmative action and he just looked at her so sadly and said I am so sorry for you she was shocked because she'd been so proud of it but what affirmative action does is it says you're not good enough to get here on your own so we're going to pity you because of something that you can't control and give it to you anyway, whether you're able to handle it or not. And a lot of kids who get it, especially into these big name schools, if they, if they get in on affirmative action and they're not ready for it, they, they wash out. They can't handle it because they're, they're, they're not up to that level academically. That doesn't help them. It just makes them feel like failures. And then you have the problem of your peers are wonder, however subconsciously, however un unwillingly, did you get here because you earned it or did you get here because you're filling a quota? And that creates racial tension. It perpetuates racial feelings. And again, if not racism, and it's, it 
creates division. Everybody should be able to earn their place fairly, whatever that means. And if there are people who are less privileged, who need more help, then better option than just handing stuff out to these people who need help is a hand up. Community organizations, especially ones that were formed in that community, do a lot of good to help lift people up out of their situations. But they're so overshadowed because welfare is easier, because affirmative action is easier. And sometimes the easy way is not the best way. And sometimes the best way is going to be hard. And, and there are times you're going to think, why did I decide to do it this way? But you'll get so much more out of it. You'll learn more. You'll appreciate more what you have. Because if something's just handed to you, how do you know the value of it? How are you to know how to appreciate it? When I was a kid, we had an allowance for a little while, but it didn't work out so great just because we were really young and we didn't know how money worked. So my mom introduced the kudo system. And whenever we did something that was helpful or good or whatever, we would earn kudos. And so they were these uh, popsicle sticks and my we would stick them in our jars. And so we had kudos in our jars and we could use those kudos to buy privileges. And that was a really good way for us to learn the value of things. The TV privileges, were, were they valued as much as we valued uh, the $5 that we could trade in to go to the store. You know, what, what is it? So we had to figure out what worked best for us, the value of what we wanted versus the value of what we had. A, a lot of that is being lost. Um, a good example of that is uh, the mayor of uh, New Orleans or St. Louis or some something like that uh, was recently having legal troubles because she spent... Uh, let me see. Yeah, I don't have the exact number, but she spent a ridiculous amount of money, like thousands of dollars, like $30,000 maybe, um, upgrading her travel and her um, accommodations for business trips. And the, the rules in her city say that the people who work for the city have to pay the least amount of money However, wherever, on whatever it is, whether it's their airfare, whether it's their hotel, it's the least amount of money that they can to be able to be where they are for the accommodations that they need. And she upgraded to first class whenever she flew. And she upgraded to suites whenever she stayed. And she ended up spending tens of thousands of taxpayer dollars on these upgrades. And the reason that she gave was that, well, you just don't understand what it's like to be a black woman. The problem is that it made it sound like she was traveling alone in these places, but she wasn't. She always had um, she always had assistants. She always had handlers. She wasn't ever alone. She had security. She they didn't get upgraded. They were all in coach. You know, she be if she gets upgraded to first class all by herself. You would think that would actually be more of a security risk than if she were to sit back and coach with everybody else. That was the explanation she gave. And so now the city is debating whether or not the mayor counts as an employee of the city and if the rules apply to her. If that was a white woman, probably could have played the you don't know what it's like to be a woman card and we'd still be having the same debate. If this was a white man, he'd already be in prison.
There are such things as universal truths. And if something is wrong for one person, it's wrong for everybody. If what she did was wrong for a white man, it's wrong for a black woman. Not because she's black and not because she's a woman, but because it's wrong. Race, economic status, perceived privilege, none of that should matter. If something's right, it's right. And if something's wrong, it's wrong for everybody. So what are things that we can do to change? One, one of them would be to get rid of affirmative action. And I realize that, you know, that is a radical and probably quote racist thing to say, but it gives everybody an equal chance and it gives everybody the same footing. So you don't ever have to wonder why the person next to you is there. You know that they're there because they earned it just the same as you did. Another thing that we can do is don't have children outside of marriage, either marriage or abstinence before marriage. And there's, you know, there's always going to be exceptions to these situations. There are people who get married who realize that they've married somebody who is abusive or who is not reliable in the ways that they need to be reliable and they're not willing to change. I understand that divorces do need to happen on occasion, but again, those should be the exception, not the rule. Just because you've stopped loving somebody doesn't mean that that's a reason to divorce them. Love is a choice, figure it out. Two-parent homes are much more likely to give children a foot up in this world because they have the mother who, who can nurture and the father who can provide and the two of them can come together and create that sort of, that, that warm embrace, if you will, that gives children the sense of safety, uh, something that they can fall back on if something were to ever happen. I have been very blessed in that my parents are still together. Um, you know, 36 years and eight kids later. And I have never felt like I couldn't depend on my parents because whatever, whatever was going on in my life, I knew that either they had been there or that they were willing to help me work through it. And that has been a huge boon in my life. And I, I do realize that not every child has that. And that's not the child's fault. It is never the child's fault if their parents aren't willing to do what is necessary to give the kids what they need. I have known some fantastic single moms who are willing and ready and, and able to give their children everything that they need to succeed. Being single is not an excuse to let your children grow up underprivileged. You can be poor and still live a fulfilling life. You can be poor and not be in poverty. There is a difference. And and you always have the opportunity to be able to raise yourself up out of that. Again, it's gonna be hard, but you can. It's been done. Another thing that can be that you can do is to learn a trade, uh, especially if you have kids, boys in particular, who are, are in their teens. Getting them off the streets and into something productive, something that they can do with their hands, that is huge because it, it puts them into a position where they are, are feeling like they are able to make a difference, where they are able to do something for themselves and to be able to 
excel at what they do. Plus, if they're if they're able to apprenticeship at a younger age, then that allows them to transition into that trade as they get older, whether they decide to stay in that trade or use the money that they've worked to, to save to be able to go to school and move into something else. Trades are a really fantastic way of, bu of building yourself out of a desperate situation. Another thing is to consume healthy media. A lot of the media that we have nowadays teaches people how to teaches people to be selfish it teaches them to want and to want and to want to not think about other people to speak badly the to and i'm not even necessarily talking about grammar i'm just talking about the filth that comes out of these kids mouths sometimes i mean it's just like what did you just say it's crazy but if we learn how to speak well, if we learn how to act well, if we don't ha learn how to live well through our media, even if you don't have any other examples, then you have the ability to raise yourself up using the examples that you create yourself, or at least the ones that you choose yourself. And then finally, live within your means. I know it's hard, and I am like the world's biggest hypocrite for even just having that come out of my, my mouth. But we've been trained in our culture that if you don't have it you just go buy it and whether that means that you um that if you don't have the money for it then you just charge it and we build ourselves into and it, it basically indentured servitude is is that we spend all of our lives paying off this credit that we were told that we had to have because if we didn't have the credit we weren't going to be able to do anything and now we're stuck in this hole and we can't dig ourselves out because there's just so much of it and now you're just stuck and you're a slave to your credit and you have to to you you can't get ahead because you're so already so deeply buried but when you when you live inside your means and if you train your children to live inside their means they'll grow up knowing how to handle their money, how to handle their credit, how to build credit without going into debt. So the reality of privilege comes down to those who are willing to work hard to change their circumstances and those who aren't willing to work to change their circumstances or maybe not even not willing, but don't know that they can, that they think that they're stuck. And I'm here to tell you, you're not stuck. You can change it. It'll be hard, harder than maybe what you see your neighbors going through but everybody lives their own life and you can't compare because what's difficult to me may be easy for you and what's easy for me may be difficult for you. If we stop comparing and start working towards something as opposed to trying to take something, it'll all come together and be better for everybody as a community, as a nation, as people. We live in the greatest country in the world and the greatest privilege you will ever have is to live here.